Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely wife, Miss Southern Shell, very talented as always. <laughs> Special in, all, in every way. And Mr. Tyler's on the board. How are y'all doing today? Good. Awesome. So, Shell, what's what's happening this week? Um, we are launching a Mossy Oak Gamekeeper Meats giveaway. Oh, that's right. We talked very briefly on our last yeah. podcast about so, you partnering up with Mossy Oak to do this Mossy Oak Gamekeeper right. Butchery. Mississippi Companies. Helping Mississippians. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mossy Oak, if y'all didn't know it, is from West Point, Mississippi. And that's not, what, about three hours at the most from us right here? Yeah, Nando. less than that. Um, I got a chance. Uh, it's been, I guess it's been a couple years. It's been a couple seasons ago. I got a chance to go over there and hunt with those guys and do some cooking. And they, that was when they kicked they kicked off their Gamekeeper Butchery. It's GamekeeperMeats.com. And it's a place where, like, they wanted to – we everybody sees videos and see stuff on social media and knows he's grown up with these hunting shows about you know going out and harvesting wild game. Well, you know what about people that don't hunt that want to try some of this meat? And that's what Gamekeeper Meats is all about. They offer um, venison, several different kinds. They've got elk. They've got you know bison, all, bison wild and they've boar, got quail. They've alligator. got alligator. I cook from them. <laughs> they've got all kinds of stuff, and it's really cool. So if, I mean, if y'all are ever Interested in wild game, check out Gamekeeper Butchery, GamekeeperMeats.com. But we're partnered up with them on some packages. Yeah. That so was the cool thing. You you got to kind of put together two packs. It's yeah. wild game packs. They asked me to say, hey, what would you order if you were wanted to just you know cook some <laughs> wild game? You were getting into it. I said, well, let me look. And so I went on their website, picked out some stuff. They sent it to me. I did some recipes with it. I was like, man, these are my great packs. Yeah, so, so you created like yeah. recipes and per, and That's some of my favorite stuff. Yeah, <laughs> of what to do with these packs. Yep, and yep. we're there's killer hogs rubs and sauces in the packs, paired with so, it because yeah. I use some of those in the recipe. So we do like um, every every time you buy one, they're gonna I think it's like four recipes each each pack has that I did with our products. There's way more it. meat than just those. Four oh yeah, recipes worth. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's just what I did. But one of them is like the all venison pack. Or it's no, it's just the wild game pack. Yeah, and it, and has, it has venison and, and the bison and some sausages, elk. some ground ground elk in it. Um, so it has venison burgers, elk burgers, um, a venison sausage, an elk rib chop, a bison ribeye, a venison medallion, and then the hmm. rubs and the sauces and stuff yeah. to go with the recipes. My favorite in there, but I don't know that bison ribeye man. If you cook it right. You you cannot I promise you you can't tell the difference and you go and get a good ribeye from the you know out of the butcher case at the store. What about the elk? Really? The elk the the elk is my favorite cut of venison. I guess not. It's not really a cut. It's a venison is what they call deer meat. What I call deer meat. It categories is any any of those like animals in that group is mm-hmm. venison. That's the meat of that animal. And of the venison, elk tastes the best to me. And I've never been elk hunting, but I've. Had the pleasure of but, cooking some. I've had friends that give me some. That's usually where I get it. Um, and then once I found get, uh, Gamekeeper Butchery, I started. That was what I wanted was the elk. <laughs> the elk burger, the elk sauces, the elk medallions. The little bone-in elk tomahawks were awesome. 
And then there is a wild boar pack, and it's got wild boar ribs, which I've never seen. I've done, ever. I, that was with the first recipe I did with mossy <laughs> oak was for the wild boar ribs. I knew I was going to include that. Yeah. Wild boar ribs, wild boar shoulder, a wild boar lamb chop, um, chorizo, and tasso. then some, um, yeah, tasso, and then some sausage with yeah. three chili. That's a good, that was my favorite of their sausage, sausages. The three chili sausage. And I mean, how can I be killer hogs and not do the wild boar? <laughs> yeah. I've never been, you know, we, where I'm at, where I hunt, luckily we don't have wild hogs right now, but I've got buddies that go and hunt on, on the other side of the levee, not far from here. And they have a blast with it. I've never really cooked. Uh, I've cooked some where people have gave me some, but this was a chance to get, I mean, wild boar meld right to you. And so I was like, well, y'all got to try that. So. And they, and you got to be careful with wild boar too, you know? The, yeah. It depends on where you get it. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can order. That's what it from, I've always heard. <laughs> yeah. You can order it from Mossy Oak and you know, it'll yeah, be all right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah. So what are we doing to give these away, Shell? So we're doing a Facebook contest essentially. Um, and all you have to do is see the Facebook post and comment which one you would li- like to have. Do you want the wild game sampler or do you want the wild boar pack? That's, That's easy enough. Enter. That's all you do is you you just go ahead and pre-pick. So we're going to make a post. Pack. We're going to make a post on the How to Barbecue Right Facebook page. Yes. And we'll probably, I know we'll be doing some stories and things. Today, like, this Friday. Is, this runs for a week, right? Yes. Yep. And we're going gonna to let the comments just roll. And then we'll pick, pick one lucky winner. Pick one on um, next Friday. Yeah. It'll be over next Friday at one o'clock. That ought to be plenty of time to get a bunch of comments. <laughs> yeah. on it, so, so look for that post. Leave a comment which pack you would want to cook, either the wild game sampler pack or the wild boar pack, and you might be the lucky winner for a gamekeeper butchery. Should I know? I'm commenting. <laughs> Why not? Which oh, the way you, you do these, like Tyler, didn't you find some random comment generator picker or whatever? Yeah, something like, like that. It's some kind of plug-in that you do on your Facebook thing, and it, it's going to pick one randomly. So it takes it a while. It's easy to hit the button for us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Joe won it. So let's send it to. You. Which one would you pick, Tyler? Wild like, boar or the? I like the variety because you could kind of make like a smorgasbord, almost like a charcuterie yeah. or something like that. And that sounds delicious for like Christmas dinner. If I had, that's tough. I wish I could pick a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably go the uh, the wild game pack because it's got those bison ribeyes in there, and they're worth it to me. Yeah, because that's the one thing I buy from them anyway. Because I mean, that bison's just a it's a really clean piece of tastes like it tastes a lot like beef. It's a little different than beef, but it's yeah. a lot like beef, and it cooks just like a. Uh, bring no cow ribeye. <laughs> They're really good. The ones I've had at Memphis and May that y'all have cooked have been like some of my favorite bites of steak I've ever had. Oh, yeah. So, so we cooked that for the uh, wild game entry twice, wasn't it? Two yeah, years both in a row. times it was top three. Yeah, yeah. Both perfect times. scores. So that shows yeah. you how good that ribeye is. Yeah, Brian <laughs> always cooks those for us. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but the wild boar chorizo was pretty good, and that wild boar salsa was, oh. was real good. See, I made a uh, like a wild boar chorizo queso with that. This is one of the recipes, and it is fire. It's got a little heat to it. The tree, yeah, yeah. It does. it's not. It's not super spicy. The three chili one has more heat to it to me than the than the chorizo. Yeah, I wouldn't does. say the chorizo kind of has. I mean, it's a chorizo. It's kind of a little bit of a sweet flavor mixed with the a lot of like you know the the cumin and you know just the Mexican style flavors is what's in it. It's what makes it so good. But what I like about the wild boar trees, though, like if you go buy trees from a grocery store. A lot of times it's so greasy, 
Well, the wild boar is a lot leaner. I mean, they have to put some fat with it, but it's not like a super greasy chorizo. Yeah, I hate. I don't like the chorizos when it's real. Sometimes you know. it gives that fat gives it a bad wank. Yeah, and I don't like that. I mean, there's certain brands that I will buy and I won't buy at the store. Yeah, most. I'd say most of the store bought ones aren't that great. Yeah. I started using my Grande Gringo just on ground pork. And then adding some sweet element to it and a little more spices to kind of give it that trezo flavor. Because trezo, it has some a little bit of like clove in it. Or, or nutmeg or something, or, yeah. It's got that, you know, different spice flavor. So that gives it a touch sweetness with the, with the, with that earth, earthiness. That's what it's supposed to taste like. So it's easy just to mix it up. I need to do a recipe where I show people how they can just make, make your own trezo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's easy to do. Um, and it's not greasy. Which is important. <laughs> They make really good burritos. Oh, breakfast I like, burritos. I like scrambled eggs and chorizo with some cheese on, on a flour tortilla. Breakfast burritos are my favorite breakfast. Really? Like easily. <laughs> so good. You can put anything in there that you really want. And it's, Better than like sausage and biscuit? Oh, yeah. I am not a – this is going to – all right. This is a bad place to talk about this, but I am not a biscuit fan really. Really? Dang. Like any place that serves an eggs benedict with on a, on a biscuit instead of an English muffin, like – I cannot understand. I cannot get down with that. I can't. (laughs) But Uh, English muffins get so hard. (laughs) With the with all the runny like hollandaise on top and stuff, like it's usually it's so grainy. They've got that. It must be that Yankee in me. I don't know (laughs) (laughs) something. I like a good red lobster biscuit, but just regular uh, buttermilk biscuits for breakfast, man. What? Not to have. You put a bunch of butter on. This might be my last podcast. (laughs) No, man. Hey, each to his own. Somebody's got to eat the English muffins. More biscuits for (laughs) y'all. King's biscuit. Anyway, uh, (laughs) what's your favorite breakfast food, Mel? Uh, biscuits and gravy <laughs> with sausage. Okay, when you add gravy into the mix, I do eat. I do eat biscuits in that fashion. I mean, look at me. You know, I like biscuits <laughs> <Yeah>. and gravy. <laughs> but at that point, Love you can barely more. taste the biscuit. It's just a vessel for you to get the gravy in your mouth. You know? Crunchy, buttery softness is what it is. A, a really well made biscuit yeah. with some butter it's one of the on it. Things in life. <laughs> I got to stay away from them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I could eat one every day. My mom used to make a pan of my granny too. I mean, they made biscuits sometimes twice a day. If we didn't have cornbread for dinner, we were having biscuits then. So normally you got a pan of biscuits in the morning, cornbread for dinner. Yep. But if it was something else that didn't go with cornbread, like if we had fried chicken, you wouldn't do fried chicken and cornbread. You'd do fried chicken with biscuits. Yeah. Or... Fried deer meat, fried pork yeah. chops. I mean, well, sometimes pork chops can go either way. You could have cornbread and pork chops because you got to have some vegetables. This kind of goes in the same <laughs> thought process. Do y'all like pancakes or waffles better? I'm a pancake. <sighs> pancakes are like the yeah, best thing I'm ever pancakes. in the world. I'm team waffle. Are you? And let me, it's just the bite, like the crunch. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's what I'm looking for in a breakfast maybe. thing because English muffins have that bite. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I can see that. I do just, love a good waffle. Like a Belgian waffle if it's oh, crunchy yeah. on the outside and soft and fluffy in the inside. Yeah. I'm totally either way. I just like not, carbs. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> big on pancakes. I mean, pancakes are okay, but they're not my favorite. Like, I take biscuits and gravy over pancakes any day. I like pan. Like, I'm more of, yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat. Like, I don't like sweets for breakfast. I like more of a savory guy. Yeah. I don't, <clears throat> I, I don't typically add like a syrup to my waffles or yeah. pancakes. It's just. Butter and carbs. <laughs> Butter and carbs. <laughs> it's pretty much my two favorite food groups. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. 
Speaking of some of the finer things in life, um, you used some blue plate mayo this week for a recipe. Yeah, I did. So this, I mean, I know everybody knows it's a thing. Mayonnaise is a binder. Yeah. And I've seen it going around a lot. They did it, I guess, uh, I don't know if Deuce brought it up. My buddy Deuce from uh, Deuce Raymond. Yeah, Deuce Raymond. Because he did it on I've, brisket on TikTok. I've been enjoying it. his TikTok recipe. And I talked to Greg about it several weeks away on the Barbecue Central show. Um, and he, I think he kind of brought it up. Some, it, it came up somewhere, and then Deuce did it or some, some vice versa. And then some other guy said that he was the one that the first one to do it on social media. So I don't know who did Whatever. it first. But. <laughs> People been putting mayonnaise. Yeah. People, hey, man, mayonnaise chicken, that's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. If you were sleeping on – I've never done a video on it, but, man, that was the mayor barbecue told me, man, we went to my first KCBS, and they boiled it in mayonnaise. That's all they did. <laughs> I mean, how many years ago was that when we were talking yeah. about boiling it in mayonnaise? That's been when, when we I first started about, KCBS. So that's 20 years. When you're talking about boiling it, you're talking about chicken thighs. Yeah, chicken thighs. <laughs> boiling it in mayonnaise. They just covered it in mayonnaise and put it down in a muffin pan and boiled it. <laughs> <laughs> and they won. And they won. It gets it tender. Well, what so what I like about it, I used it on chicken wings for this recipe. You got to have blue plates. It's the best. You know, I got the squeezy one because I don't have to put it out in a bowl and I can just yeah. squeeze it right on a wing, use my grill brush, brush it on smooth. And season it, and it does it. The blue plate works some magic on the grill. <laughs> chicken wings, you. This is a never fail. One of the better chicken wings you've ever ate, and I used mayonnaise on the skin of it. Would you have thought that? Uh, I mean, yes, I could see that. It's four hundred degrees pellet grill, blue plate mayonnaise on. Dry the skin, blue plate on the skin. Season it however you want. What are these? You, I was doing. I wanted to do. So my thinking was. I'm going to flip the script. Instead of doing a buffalo wing that you and serving it with ranch sauce, I wanted to do a ranch wing that I dip in buffalo sauce. And so I come up with a chipotle ranch wing with the little crust on it from a TX. So what I did is I took just the Hidden Valley Ranch that you can buy in the shaker, not the pack, because the pack's a little stronger. But the stuff they have, and it's usually on the salad dressing. Well, I think it's right there with the packs, honestly, mm-hmm. on the shelf. But it comes in like a rub shaker, clear, you know, Hidden Valley Ranch label. It's made to shake on stuff. And it is. It does seem to be less potent. Yeah, less ranchy. I, it, it, it it's it's got good ranch flavor, but it's not too salty and it's not too strong. Yeah. Well, you could use the packet, but you're gonna have to add that to like a bunch of AP or something. You have to mellow it out because it's yeah. like intense. But so this one, I uh, took half a cup of that, like put it in a, in a little dread shaker, put a big heaping tablespoon of ground chipotle pepper. So it gave me that heat. It gave me some smokiness of the smoked peppers, you know, and it went with the ranch really well because I wanted a little heat element. But I knew that after I tasted it, I said, like, oh, I get the heat. I get the chipotle coming through. I get the ranch for sure, but it doesn't have like texture. It doesn't have a, like, a, a really salt, salty element. And I didn't want it too salty, but I was like, you know what I can do? I can put my mayo down, and it's going to make that ranch chipotle stick to the wing. And then I can hit them with something coarse. And I was like, all I need is salt and pepper. So I said TX. And it just, as that uh, mayonnaise heated up on the wings at 400 degrees on the grill, it browns that wing all over. And you get that crust texture from the TX, but you still get the tangy ranch and a little bit of the heat and smoky flavor it was a dang good wing. It was excellent. It was like contender for like top five of this year. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Isn't that crazy? That I mean, it was just. It was super simple. I, I was, and that was a complete experiment too. 
Well, um, and then oh, go ahead. for the dipping sauce, I wanted to go buffalo sauce, but I was like, what can I make that's easy just to, and so I said, well, I saw Frank's buffalo wing sauce. You could use your favorite one. And just that by itself, I didn't think would be really good it's in a bowl. strong to dip. So I was like, let's make creamy buffalo ranch sauce. And that's what I did. So I took a bottle of just regular old classic ranch dressing. I think it was Kraft. Frank's buffalo sauce, 50-50, and mixed them up. Man, if that wasn't some good dipping sauce, I don't know what was. <laughs> it went really good with those I'm ranch. sure you could make a, like if I made a homemade ranch with blue plate and had the ranch pack and let that sit for a few hours. And then took the hot sauce and butter and a little garlic, made my own little wing sauce and combined those. It's going to be even better. Yeah. Wait, just wait. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that 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 wing recipe will be one that I do. I mean, it a was lot. different enough to stand out. So I think it'd be good in a competition. Honestly. A wing competition. A wing competition. I can see it. I can see it because it is different. It is just different enough to stick out, but it's so. Good. You want to keep eating it, you know. When you say ranch wing, you think, oh, it's going to be this white, green looking, nah, you know, monstrosity. Were, but these are some of the more browned up. The man, the fat in the mayonnaise, the oil in the mayonnaise, just melts and coats the the wing and makes it kind of crispy fry. So the texture on it was unbelievable. The color was awesome yeah. on it because when they went in the cooker, they were white. Yeah, and they oh, had yeah. a little of the TX. You could speckles. see a little bit of the dark. Chipotle, yeah. you know, you could see the, some of the green, a little bit of the green against the white, but then you could see the TX all over the top, which it didn't look bad. It just looked like, you know, you got this white. It wasn't know. very appealing yeah. going in. <laughs> it looked like extra white chicken or something. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It was less appealing than your average wing <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the way in. On the way in. But coming out, it was, it was fire. <laughs> it looked yeah. really, really good. Did you think they needed to be sauced? No, well, but I like a dry. Yeah, I like a dry wing. I think you could go like citrusy with them, like add lemon pepper yep. to that too. I was thinking like even like a lime zest at the end, Over the something top, would have like yeah. really set it up, like a tahini wing done oh. like that. Man, oh man, let's say lote wings. Heck yeah! Oh, that's oh, a really yeah. good one. You said you were going to quit coming up with ideas on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, people are doing them. I don't care, man. Just, <laughs> if you can figure it out, hey, I, I might give you credit for that. I'm trying so-and-so's recipe. I don't think if you would have done a ranch wing without using the blue plate mayonnaise or yeah. some sort of fat along those lines, I don't think it would have gotten the pretty brown color that you wanted it to. It would have been white. And yeah, if I would just, like, say if I would have just right. done cooking spray or duck fat, because I do that. Most of the time, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I dry, we dry the wings, let them air dry, and then Not we anymore. duck. Not anymore. <laughs> it is blue plate city. I need to buy a bunch of squeezy blue plate. So um, Mark Williams had told us that he used mayonnaise for a steak last weekend, and he was talking about how good it was. Yeah. You think he used blue plate? I'm sure. Yeah. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. <laughs> right here, though. <laughs> if you're in Decided County, if it's the official mayonnaise at Decided County. I've had a barbecue, right? <laughs> had a barbecue. It's, it, it is the official. That's the truth. I've got a shirt in my closet to prove it. It just says blue plate mayonnaise. I should have brought my shirt today. <laughs> This is the Blue Plate Studio show. <laughs> <laughs> we like it so much. You used to have a picture of some old Blue Plate ad or something. Yep, yeah, that's, there you that's, go. I don't know if you can see it behind Shell, but everything's going to slowly start turning blue behind. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did Mark say about using um, mayonnaise for a binder on He steak? said, so I guess we were at camp. 
was it last hunting season? No, it was probably back in the spring or summer. We were down there in March. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook y'all a steak dinner. And no, hands down, he cooked one of the better steak dinners that I that somebody's cooked for me. Yeah. And he Especially told you don't have to do it. Yeah. Yourself. So he sent me a text last weekend. And we were up at the ball game. We haven't talked about that yet. When we were up at, uh, at the Vikings game, and Mark said, I got something for you. I've got to cook you another steak dinner. He said, This is hands down better than any, any way he's done it. And he used mayonnaise on a fillet. It was like a mayonnaise fillet. And he, and uh, I don't know, he didn't tell me what else he seasoned it with, but he said, that that mayonnaise made such a, I mean, put such a good crust and flavor on the outside of that steak, and I, I can't wait to see it. When Did he, he it. just do meat? I really don't know. Okay, you don't know the process. Yeah. I'm guessing he painted it on the outside like they do briskets. And you see them do the brisket, it? right? Uh-uh. So they'll take like a full pack of brisket. I guess you could do it flat or point, whatever you wanted to do. But they'll take it and they'll just like we put mustard or something on pork shell on butts. They'll put like blue plate mayonnaise all over the outside of the brisket and then season it with your barbecue rub. And then, you know, if you just want to do salt and pepper, the whole thing. But it's basically like those chicken wings. It's got that coating on the outside and they just cook it. And the fat, you know, the fat, what's going to melt on that and it's going to help that. I bet the brisket gets like that perfect crust all over the outside of it. It looked like in the videos that I've seen. So I hadn't, I haven't tried mayonnaise as a binder on beef yet. Going to. I'm going to this Friday. I'm going <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Are you gonna do it tonight? Well, we got you some got... ribeyes sitting out. I oh, figure okay. I could get one of them and Heck yeah. <laughs> try it. Oh, that's a good. Let's Michael do a little was, test. Yeah, Michael was wanting to work on his um, SEA yeah. competition skills. I got him one of those. What, what grill? It's the. It's a hasty bake. Hasty bake SCA grill. Because he's wanting to. He's wanting like he's old enough to start cooking his own contest now. So I was like, well, you got to have your grill. So, and it's the one a lot of people have been using, like, sets on them. You can set it on a sheet pan on a table. Do you remember the name of it? Uh, I just looked up Hasty Bake SCA Grill. On a, it's on their website. It comes with, like, grill. It, you can tell me what all it comes with. It was, I hadn't opened the box yet, but it came last week. It's an HB250 Pro. What was it, about 400 bucks? Something like that? 500 bucks? I didn't look. I didn't, it's five hundred. I didn't want to tell you what I paid. For. <laughs> I did not really. I didn't know he was going to pull it up. <laughs> <That's what you laughs> are. Surprise! Um, it comes with. I guess it comes with. Uh, so you got one hundred and fifty square inches of cooking space on it. Mm-hmm. So it's a small grill. That's yeah. that's small. But we're 18, only cooking steaks. Eighteen inches wide, eighteen inches high, twelve inches deep. So it shows you it's tabletop. Thirty pounds. Yep. So you get um. Why is that unique to me? Because it's the perfect size for cooking two SEA steaks, but you can lower and raise your charcoal to the cooking grate, and it comes with all the accessories you need. So you get your grill grate, you get the little grid to raise it up just a little bit for finishing the steak off. It all packs down into one nice little, you know, easy to carry grill, and Michael can handle it no problem. Yeah. And it doesn't take much charcoal to get the thing rolling because it's smaller. So it's not like you're burning a bag of charcoal to cook a steak. Probably need like one little half chimney. Yeah. I may take it with us this weekend and and let him fire it up and see how it does. Um, But yeah, we're fixing to try mayo binders. It might be the new thing. It's be your new thing. (laughs) It might be the new thing. I tried it on fish one time. It didn't work. It does not work. (laughs) The nastiest 
tilapia ever tried to eat in my life. <laughs> I don't know if I've ate tilapia since you mayonnaised it. How to break somebody. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? The white green? Like, yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. have no green to it. It was just white on white. <laughs> <laughs> there was more going on there than just the mayonnaise. It was just bad. A lot of experimenting. <laughs> So do you want to talk about last weekend, what you did? Yeah. No, we uh, we went up to Minnesota. Went went. What I liked about going up there to the game, this was like a true football experience to me. They tailgate. Like yeah. in the parking, wherever there's par- little parking lots, big parking lots, it's actual tailgate. So we walked through a lot. I mean, I didn't really know anybody, so we didn't know where to hang out. But we, you know, saw a bunch of people, and it was, it was just a cool experience. And outside the stadium, They've got like this, what would you call it? Just a gathering area. It's where the Viking Longhouse is. Yeah. And it's like they've got all these people come set up, sponsor, you know, like, uh, you know, how you go anywhere vendor. to give away vendor stuff, yeah. vendor type stuff. Like you could go get a sample of some kind of Bacardi drink or you yeah. could, you know, I packed a, I packed a little care package they were sending off to military, um, you know, overseas. That was cool. And then, I, you know, they had different shows, radio shows and all that. You get get free giveaways. But the Longhouse was like this big kind of sports bar thing where they had to go in. Of course, you can get all the cold Miller Lite or Coors Light you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had special drinks. We got some kind of like the Bloody Mary was awesome. Yeah, it was really Started good. Started with the Bloody Mary and went around, went to the game. The game was, I would definitely go back and ruined me I got to i got to talk to harrison smith after the game he like come out of the tunnel thing and michael got a ton of uh signatures on a little football that he, that he got like a it was just fun. it's one of it the was, coolest things yeah, it was ever the coolest done. thing ever it was awesome um i will say going up there every, as soon as we start talking it's like whiplash everybody looking at us oh yeah we stood out <laughs> like a sore thumb. <laughs> like well, that's why harrison smith stopped he heard me I guess yelling and running my mouth on the side. And he's like, hey, man, where are you from? And I was like, from uh, right outside of Memphis? I'm from Tennessee. So he was excited, I guess, to hear some dialect that he recognized. And he said, man, I go to Tunica all the time. I was like, dang, really? <laughs> but, he, you know, he played at Notre Dame. He's awesome. He's an awesome football player. I didn't realize he was from Tennessee. Yeah. I didn't know he was from Tennessee. I didn't yeah. ask him what town he's from. I was yeah, I was starstruck. I was like, "Ah, oh, he's talking to me." Just <laughs> flipping out. <laughs> it's like, what's the chance of that? Kirk Cousins came up. I mean, he came up and signed Michael's stuff. He was cool. It was yeah, it was one of the coolest things we've ever done. Um, so, what do you say about let's talk ribs? How do you feel about that? I'm all about talking ribs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's perfect weather yeah. to cook ribs. Have you ever put mayonnaise on a rib? No, but <laughs> I will. I have probably after the fact, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> White sauce cook. goes great on pork, yeah. so why wouldn't? Why couldn't you use it? Um, no, I think it's perfect weather to cook a rib. You can sit outside and watch. You it know, really hang is. out while you're cooking. You're not having to fight flies and this, the it, heat. This is absolutely my. Favorite cooking time. I mean, I know I'll, I say that about a lot of stuff. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I got a lot of favorite things. But the fall weather is where it's at because now we're seeing temperatures like highs in the 70s, upper 70s, lows when they start getting down to like 40 or a little below. I love getting up in the morning. It's 40 degrees, firing up the pit. It's going to slowly warm up that day. It's just pleasant. I don't have to fight flies. I'm not sweated down every time I do something. It's just 
It's fat boy weather. <laughs> fat boy fall. Fat boy fall. That's it. It's fat boy fall, y'all. <laughs> the so, women can have the summer. What do they? What do they say? It's hot girl summer. Hot girl summer. Yeah, it's fat boy fall. Fat boy fall with some football. Break the hoodies out. Yeah, you got football. I mean, God. You can sit on a patio, watch football, have yep. a few drinks. Cook your ribs. Enjoy the process. Enjoy of the process. Yeah. yeah, like I truly think right now is the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> chili, like everything. Yeah, about. Time to make chili. How can you not like that? You can wear a sweatshirt in the morning, but then you can take it off and just wear a t-shirt yeah. in the afternoon. I think you're trying to tell me to cook some ribs. This week. <laughs> well, I've That's seen a lot of people on the um, community page talking uh, yeah, about it. Talking about rib cook. Yeah. So um, maybe it's time for a new rib recipe. Something coming up. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, so trimming ribs, um, there was somebody, Willie, he posted on um, the page where he turned like this. It looked like just this busted slab of spare ribs. Yeah, I saw that pig. I, was, I mean, And he shows trimmed you. it into like a perfect comp ready. With the little know-how, what you can do. And see, a lot of times they'll have the whole spare ribs actually way cheaper than you can buy a trim slab of St. Louis ribs at the grocery store. And I don't understand why somebody would pay – Another, you know, dollar fifty to two dollars per pound for someone else to trim them. When you get the drop from it, so you can make, you know, the rib tips. You got, you know, all that excess meat. That's great meat. It's great. I mean, I love eating rib tips. Yeah, rib tips. I cook good. them a lot of right alongside my ribs, and they're awesome. I mean, and or you can use them for beans or other stuff. Yeah, but you don't have the waste, and then you're. I mean, there's nothing to trim a, a, a slab of whole spare ribs down. And when I say whole, whole spare ribs, the the rib cage on a pig is like, so you got your loin back ribs, which is up at the top or right over the loin. And then the spare rib, the whole spare is the rest of the ribs that come all the way down and join at the breastbone, which would be with the pig standing up, it's on his belly along the bottom, the center line. So they cut those loin back slabs off after they, you know, separate them from the loin back rib. And you've got this big slab of meat. It's got the rib tip on the bottom. It's got your big bones in it. It makes that St. Louis slab. Well, to cut it off, all you do, they're about two bones down is going to be your longest bone in the rib cage. And if you make an imaginary line going straight down that slab of ribs, it's just cartilage right there, right past the knuckle. And you just take a heavy bladed knife and make a straight cut straight down that. You separate the rib tips or the belly portion that's up underneath from that actually slab of St. Louis ribs. And then I'll knock off a little, what, one bone or two bones on the little floating bone end, and it makes that perfect square slab of St. Louis cut ribs. That's all there is to it. Now, usually if you'll flip it over. It's a pretty easy process. It's right? super easy. There's nothing, There's no reason not to cut those off yourself. And the reason why I like buying the whole slab of spare ribs is because typically when they're packaged, you can see the whole thing. So you flip it over and you get an idea. You know what to look for. You can tell if that rack of ribs is going to be straight, what the average size of those bones are going down the rack. And that's what I look for. And I want to look at the top of it and see what's over the top. If I can see like uh, the marbling in the meat or if it's got thick fat pockets all over it that I know I'm going to have to, you know, whittle out and it could cause shiners on them. I can tell all that in the package. And that's why. Or if it's why, already thin. Or if it's already thin, I can nothing to do about it. So yeah. I can put my hand on it. But when you buy St. Louis ribs, oftentimes they're stacked up in a pack. Can't see them as well. Plus, you're just paying more for somebody to do a quick trim. A lot of times they'll gouge those up anyway. When they trim them, they'll grab them with these big meat hooks and peel it off and cut it down. And they put these big holes in them where you don't want them. 
And so I think that, that I'd rather take the time and me break it down and take a big, ugly slab of ribs and turn it into that pretty St. Louis rack, just like he did in that picture. Yeah. Um, I will say probably the best piece of advice that was ever given to me when it comes to competition barbecue and really any barbecue at all is if it's not what you want it to be, turn it into what you make want it, it to make be. Make it what you want it to be yeah. from the get-go, too. Yep. I mean, there's all kinds of tricks and stuff you can do at the end, but if you start out, my, my philosophy is if I start out with it looking good, I take the time trimming into what I want it to make it what I want it to be before I cook it, it's going to look good when I get it cooked. You know, then all I got to do is worry about saucing it up a little bit, turning it in, <laughs> getting that check. <laughs> <laughs> so what about cooking ribs? So, well, one thing we didn't talk about is on the back side of those ribs, they have a membrane. And a lot, oftentimes they'll have that inside skirt or part of that diaphragm. And you always want to trim that off. I take it. I always take it. I take the membrane off too. A lot of people struggle with it. But if you'll just get a piece of paper towel and go slow and just kind of get on the edge of that rib and then start grabbing it with that paper towel and pulling up a little bit. Sometimes you can slide a little butter knife in there and raise it up a little bit. But let the paper towel be the grip for you. And it'll peel right off. There's nothing to it. Now, yeah. We had a talk that you like to eat that sometimes, but I'm not a fan of the membrane. <laughs> in some s- places, I guess. In some Maybe. instances. I don't like it, so I get it off yeah, every Most people time. don't. So that's after after I break out the rib, I take the membrane off. Then I trim any excess fat off the top that I don't like, and it's ready to go. Now, how do you cook them? I think a lot of people have a well, tendency to maybe overthink or overcomplicate Yeah, it. I mean – the the number one thing I see is people get caught up on this three two one three two one, and it sounds great. And that was an old way of doing ribs. That was kind of a never fail. You know, if you if you smoke them three hours at two twenty five, and you wrap them two hours, and you take them out and dry them back out and glaze them, that's going to make a good fall off the bone rib. Yeah, at two twenty five. But most not many people are cooking at two twenty five anymore. And I don't like to. I like. I honestly like to cook my ribs up around between 250 and 275. No hotter than 275, but that's where I want them because that higher. It's a little bit higher temp, but it renders more fat, and so it gives me a really moist, really juicy rib without any fat pockets in it. And that's why I like to cook them a little bit hotter. I think you get a little bit better product. Now it it allows me. I'm cooking them a little faster. It gives me a little more hold time. Because anytime you cook something a little bit hotter, it needs to hold even longer to get let it chill back out and let those juices that you pushed out, all that moisture you're working out of the rib, it lets it seep back into it. So my process is really simple. I run the pit between 250 and 275, always. And it, you know, if I'm going to cook it on pellet grill, that means 265. But it's not going to hurt me if I put it 275. It's not going to hurt me if I put it 250. I just know, but usually I'll do 265 on a pellet grill, 275 on my stick burner. On my drum, it wants to run 275. That's how I get these temperatures. I get them seasoned, and I don't get crazy with it. If you wanted to use some good old blue plate and then put your rub on it, you can. If you want to use mustard, if you want to spritz it with water, no matter what you want to do to make it stick, you can or not. There's been plenty of times I've run ribs with no binder. Just let the meat itself you know, be the binder, and it will. You know, if you, The longer you let sit on the counter, the salts and the sugars will start pulling moisture out. That'll help it all stick, and then when I place it on the grill, I usually doctor it back up because I've always got a thumbprint or fingerprints where I've touched them. So they go on the pit seasoned, and then I'm a two-hour guy in the smoke. That's where I'm, I'm different than the 3-2-1. i am doing a two, 
about an hour and a half in the wrap, and then about another thirty glaze is all it takes. So my t- my mine's the time could so just what, what's that total time? Let's see, two on average three and a half four hour rib. So you're going from a six hour rib to a four, four hour, hour rib. rib. Yep, and it's an easy four hour rib too. Two hours in the smoke. I take them out of the smoke and I want to wrap them up. Always add some moisture to my wrap. Um, that's where if I'm cooking competition style, I'll add me some butter. I'll add me some honey. I'll add me a little spice element. Maybe like um, tiger sauce is a classic hot sauce, pepper jelly, anything that kind of brings a little bit of a heat element because that's what I want. I want smoke. I want spice. I want some heat. Then I want some sweetness and I want the richness to balance it, balance it out. And I want it to be perfectly tender. So that's why I wrap them up. That's what you get on that. Do you ever not wrap? Um, yeah. When I want that dry rib that I just want that old school barbecue flavor, I don't wrap them. Does it increase your cook time? It, not really. Like if you're still rolling, if you're still clipping along at 275, you're going to have a rib. You're probably, it's probably going to be faster not wrapped a little bit. Often those are done at three and a half hours. They've already sped through everything because I haven't messed with them, hadn't opened the pit, hadn't took them out, put them in a wrap. Because the wrap actually cools them off and slows them down because we're putting cold butter in there. You know, we're putting all these other room temperature liquids in there. And we put we take that rib out of that smoked environment and put it in there. And, and the reason why I know it cools them down is because we stick a probe in them when we're doing comps and we watch them. They'll drop 15, sometimes 20 degrees. Now, once everything in that pack gets good and hot and it really holds that pressure in there that they built up, it shoots up pretty quick, but it always drops the temp down, so it slows them down a little bit. So, question, do you not, like, if you're cooking on a pellet grill, do you think that the super smoke, like, do you not think it's worth even for an hour changing the flavor on that? On certain grills where you really get more of that flavor, yeah. And I I would say that's the one thing on pellet grill. That's a good question. It is... I have, like, if I was doing comps on a pellet grill, I would definitely start them off, try to drive as much smoke into them lower, and then raise it up, make it up when I get them wrapped. But that's like for somebody, that's that's a little overly complicating things for somebody that just wants to, to cook a good eating rib at home. Yeah. If you were doing like a comp timeline, I would definitely do that. But I would give myself longer than four hours too. Mm-hmm. They would turn that back into a six-hour rib. Gotcha. Easy. You use the super smoke for po- butts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you have the time. Overnight, I'll put it on there at 220 Super Smoke and just let them dudes roll all night. Ribs, you could do the same way. You could cook that rib from start to finish, a big old thick spare rib from start to finish, no wrap, real low. But it might take you at least six hours, probably more like seven, eight, depending on how big the rib is. I bet that rib would be so good. Oh, it would. It would would be like the butts. You know, you get that texture. But to me, the – I mean, that's a great way to get extra smoke in there if you're doing them at those temps on a pellet grill. No. But I mean the best the best rib I ever cooked comes off a drum. Second best comes off a stick burner. Third best probably comes off backwoods. Then probably my old hickory. That I would say the pellet grill rib is probably the last, not very last, but it's yeah. of those that's down there. Electric smoker would be probably <laughs> than the oven. But and you've cooked them on a I've cooked a them on all the ways. Yeah, I've cooked them or, on all the ways. Um, but I would say the best is the drum. Because you get I agree. meat juice dripping on hot coals. <laughs> so holding ribs. So the way we figured out the hold was we, we got a bunch of these little party stacker coolers like you can get on Amazon. They're made for, I don't know, 24 beers. And they're like one can high and you put them in there. Perfect for holding six slabs of ribs. Oh, it's good for butts. It's good for brisket. It's my favorite hold, holding yeah, cooler. Yeah, yeah. 
You can't put a large pan down in it, but they're so easy to wash out. You just take the meat in the full, set it in there, let it do its thing. There's not too much airspace. You got to burp them. You got to come back by and open the lid every once in a while. That's the main thing. But we would take our ribs and we would try some. Like as soon as they come out of the wrap, we would open them up, let them sit there, heat get off of them, drain the excess moisture out of the pack, put them out on the rack, do our glazing process. A little rub, a little sauce, put them back on the pit, try them. They're good. They're good. Texture was um, soft. But it still had a little tug on, on that rib. And then, so we started timing them. We was like, all right, let's try them at 30 minutes. Let's try them at an hour. Let's push it out to two hours and see. And then even push it out to three hours, wherever wherever it took to get to that best texture. And ours was always somewhere between an hour and two hours. Now, that was at our conditions. That was with it, you know, fairly warm outside. Um, our elevation is not that high here in Hernando. Yeah, And so that changes from where you go, and you have to realize that. But where we were at, that hour, hour and a half, whole time, was money. So you're talking- The texture was so much softer. You lost any bit of that tug, but it held together and didn't overcook. And so once we took them out of – once you let them rest like that, you let them come back together, and they kind of slow down. The rib, it wants to almost tighten up a little bit too, so it, it won't – the bones won't fall out. And it's not overcooked. Tighten up in a good way, not, not a tough, tough way. way. Yeah, you still have that pillowy soft bite, but it still has integrity the, to where it holds up. Yeah. When you bake a slice in it, it holds up. Then we glaze them. We do our glaze process, which means you have to keep the grill going that whole time you're resting, or have to restart it back up. But you don't need high heat when you're doing the the glaze process. We're always at a tail end, so we'll just keep a little bit of coals going. And I want my temps between, you know, 225, 230 when I'm glazing. Because I want it to be warm enough to melt the glaze to help it sit, but not burn the sugar. Because if you go on 275 degrees grill glazing, man, that's that's still some, getting some serious heat. You can burn something really quick. How long do you glaze? Um, typically, it's fift, about 15, 20 minutes. But I like to do, you know, a little bit of rub on them first, get them on a cooling rack. So reset my color because anytime you put something in a wrap with some liquid, it's gonna make it's gonna get rid of some of that bark that you started. Ugly. They come out ugly. You so got to get that back. When you say reset your color, you mean put a little bit of dry rub on it. And usually, this is where I use um, a dry rub that's more on the sweeter uh, side. It's got some flavor to it, not just salt, because I really don't want a salt rub. Like, um, like if I use the hot rub at the beginning on a, on a slab of ribs, I won't put a hot rub on at the end. I'll switch to the barbecue rub because it's more even across the board. The salt and the sugar and everything kind of balances out, and that's what you want on the back end. And a lot of people call it a finishing rub or something like that. It's to make it pop. It's to give it color, but you don't necessarily need salt at that. You can always add a little salt if it needs it, and we taste ours and add like salt right there you know, on top of it. It's easier to, to make that pop happen there than putting a salty rub on it and resetting it. So resetting it, you pull it out of the wrap, sprinkle it with your rub. And put it on a rack. Yeah. The whole rack. time you're being ginger because, I mean, it's, you've got to be super careful. They're ultimately tender. They're still really hot because they've been in, you know, just come off the pit and been holding in a warm cooler. So you got to be careful with them. And then once I'll put a little rub on the back, I'll go ahead and flip them over, put a little rub on the top. Stick them back in the pit five, seven minutes. Okay. And that so sets that, the that dries it years. out. It gets rid of that moisture that was on the outside. The rub, 
you know, I put it a little heavier in certain spots if there's spat spots on the slab of ribs, but I'm just trying to make it look pretty and even. Then I take it out. And often, oftentimes we don't even take them out of the pit. We'll just do the glazing right there on the pit. We'll pull the rack out a little bit. If it's a drum, I always take them off because you don't want to, you know, leave the lid off too long. It'll get away from you. But I'll take them, leave them on the rack, flip them back over real careful, sauce the bottom, flip them back upright, sauce the top, stick them back on. This needs to go 10 to 15 minutes. And often after about seven, seven to 10 minutes, I'll look at them. If they look like they need it, we'll hit them with another round. I'd love to get two rounds of glaze on them and then close the lid and let them go another five, ten minutes. And that gets me that gives me a 30-minute window to glaze, and I'm usually perfect. At that point, they're ready to serve. Yeah. Box if you're in a comp. Serve if you're at home. So have and you- that's a little extreme for a just a cook it in your backyard rib. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's gonna be a so that's what I was going to ask. A rib that'll hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever gone through that process? You know, you smoke them, you wrap them, you put, you put them in a cooler and mm-hmm. let them hold. Have you ever pulled them out right then and kind of maybe put a little dry rub on them and then served them? You can. I think they're better if they go back on the pit just a few minutes. Even if you're um, just doing Even rub. if you're doing them at home, just if you just want to serve them dry. Or if I was just, I mean, there's there's easy variations of that. Like you, it depends on what you had in the wrap. You know, if you just had like vinegar sauce in the wrap, that's the only thing you put in there, and you're just eating eating rib. Yeah, those are fine. Often I'll take that sauce that's in there, brush it on top, hit them with a little dry rub, back on five minutes. I'm ready to serve them, and it's not as as rich a rib. I don't yeah. have all those ingredients going into it. What I described earlier was really a comp or comp way of thinking. If we're trying to. Win a rib contest. Yeah. Would you call those muddy ribs? Um, Yeah, they're still muddy because they're not just like, to me, a sauce rib is where you pull it straight out of the wrap, you just pour sauce all over it, and you cut it up and go. That sauce hadn't been set, hadn't really been glazed. There's no additional seasoning been added to it. That's just a saucy rib. Or if you take the ribs off that I do and pour additional sauce on them before you serve them, that turns into a saucy rib. A muddy rib has like a caramelized almost texture to it to where the sauce has been cooked on somewhat. It's tacky, probably had some extra seasoning put on it, and it just lets it kind of meld in to where it's not runny. Like when you pick it up, all the sauce isn't coming off the rib. It's on it, you know. That's the big difference there. And that's the way I prefer them if I'm going to eat them that way. Very rarely I just eat a saucy rib. Usually it's been glazed. I do like a dry, I mean, dry ribs, ultimate. Yeah, that's my favorite. But I like to have sauce on the side. Yeah, to dip. To dip. But I don't pour it all. When you eat sauce with them, do you pour it all over your rib or do you just? It's just. It's just for dipping. dipping. Yeah, dipping a little bit. Because I'll eat a dry. Yeah. dry yeah, yeah. Eat a but, bite. With a little dip, sauce. Yeah. 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 Swap it back and forth. That's how I like them. Um, so somebody had asked, do you have any ideas for leftover ribs? Um. Well, <laughs> one I've done is rib fried rice. You pull it all off the bone and just kind of chop it up, and it turns into – it don't quite look like Chinese spare ribs. You know how they got the little yeah. cubes of marinated, like, red food coloring dyed pork? But it gives it that element to where you've got little bite-sized pieces, and it makes ex- – it's excellent. It's really good. Uh, one thing I also do with the <clears> – You're not above just microwaving it. <laughs> oh, I'll eat a cold rib out of a Ziploc bag. <laughs> but I will put them – you know, microwave them too, and they microwave great in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Give it a little radar love, <laughs> as Mike Mills would say. But you don't like put them in there for five minutes. You go 30 seconds, check on it. 10 seconds, check on it. Get it just right. 
Because that pork fat, what's still around it, or if there's some left in it that didn't fully render, it can give it a bad wang heating it up in the microwave. So that's why I watch it. But I will, I'm not beyond heating one up in the microwave. <laughs> uh, another great one, um, I've made rib sandwiches before, like take it off the bones, build like a pulled pork sandwich with rib meat. That's a great one to do. Um, yeah. It's really good in beans. I mean, the only thing with so if you've got leftover ribs, just get the bones off of them, get the ending cartilage that's in it, and you've just got smoked pork at that point. You can use it any kind of way you want to. You can make rich, egg rolls with it. Rich, yeah, you can make it's good. Yeah, you can so make these, are ideas, I, these are some tacos. ideas. <laughs> you got all my ideas. Sky's endless. <laughs> <laughs> um, so other people would say collard greens or use them like you would yeah, have. Yeah. Um, enchiladas. An omelet, tacos, a McRib sandwich, yep, yep, pork yep. fried rice, or chow mein. Yep. Um, Using for barbecue pizzas. And somebody said Ooh. taco soup. Yeah, I could see that, maybe. Yeah. I, you could put them anywhere. You I could think. put them anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere you could use pulled pork, it'll work the same. It's a little different texture. They're cooked right. I mean, the texture's still feathery. And it's probably like, going to be a little sweeter. Like, so when I judge ribs, if I'm in a rib judging contest, often what I'm going to do before I take a bite, I'm going to take one of the bones and pull off some of it, and I'm going to pull it in my hands, and I'm going to see the texture of that meat. Has the fat been rendered in it? Does it kind of pull like pulled pork? Does it flake? Is it feathery? Or is it all tough and mushy? If it mushes in my hands, I know it's it's not going to be great texture. Then I try it, and I get the mouth feel to feel what that texture was I was touching. And I may even smell it at the end to see (laughs) see if there's anything I pick up on it. But it's, you know, there's more to it than just taking a bite of rib and see if it comes off the bone or not. There's a lot, there's, to me, there's, yeah. there's more to it you should look at. Would that be considered a super judge? I don't think so. I just think it's a man who likes ribs. <laughs> a man who knows what he's about. <laughs> I'm still giving him the benefit of a doubt on a cook. You know, yeah. if it's a good rib, if I would eat it, it's going to get a decent score. But I'm talking about it to be perfect, you got to check all these criteria. Yeah. That's the way I judge. You know, <laughs> I came up with this topic because, you know, I thought it was a great time to cook ribs or whatever, but now I'm kind of wanting some ribs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it ain't nothing to fire. I got, I'm Saturday, I'm watching ball all day. You don't think I can cook ribs? Shoot. <laughs> we got scary movies, fire pits, chili, football. <laughs> and ribs. <laughs> and ribs. <laughs> um, so you did a few recipes, and we hadn't talked about them yet. Um, you did a chicken enchilada dip. It was yeah. excellent. That was that was an easy one too. It was really easy. You used a smoked chicken that you just pulled, and that what you didn't really show that in your recipe. Yeah. But you could use rotisserie or. Oh man, that's the one. Don't use canned. That's <laughs> that's my rule. Don't use canned chicken. Rotisserie chicken. I I would go with boiled chicken if you want to boil some. I mean that's better, but. But preferably rotisserie. I tell you what. I'll tell you here's what you do. Get you some blue plate mayonnaise and get you a whole chicken. <laughs> whole chicken. Okay. Get you a brush and just brush it. Don't go from like brush to mayonnaise jar to chicken. <laughs> if you don't get the squeeze thing, get you a bowl and put you some out in it. But brush mayonnaise all over the outside of that chicken and then season it. Just go super easy, like a piece of salt, pepper, garlic, and then whatever else herbs you want to put on it. If you want to put, you know, parsley and, um, Rosemary and thyme, just I'm talking rotisserie style chicken with mayonnaise on the skin and cook it and then pull that. It is so easy to do. But if you're using it for an enchilada dip, 
You might want to use Mexican. Yeah, go go Mexican style on it. If you got a favorite Mexican season, hit it with the grande gringo. So what do you think about using the mayo on a turkey to brown it up? I bet it would. You've got there's there's endless possibilities you could go with this. Because when you're we're bringing mayo back, baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just for tomato sandwiches anymore. (laughs) It's not for turkey sandwiches anymore. I mean, it's it's easy to struggle with getting your skin on the turkey brown. It is. It is. A lot of people, yeah, and get it even brown. Yeah, baby, that's an experiment we do. Which, what putting what on the turkey skin will give you the best looking skin this Thanksgiving? With mayo, would you rub it with oil? Would you baste it with butter? Would you go nothing on the skin? What does it work, or what works the best? We're gonna have to do that. I'd like to know. Uh, yeah, it'd be. I mean, it'd be cheaper to do it with chicken. Those <laughs> big turkeys. <laughs> Can I start with chicken? Yeah, or co- yeah. maybe corn. Maybe wings are the way to go. I know what it does with wings. I've seen it. It's been evident. But it made the wings brown up even in the little nooks and crannies. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking. It did, yeah. I think it'll work on turkey. I don't see why it wouldn't. Just got to get people used to spreading mayonnaise. <laughs> I mean, it is yeah. kind of gross. <laughs> anyway, your chicken enchilada dip was really good. Yeah. But you could take, just what if you could just take Crisco <laughs> and rub all over it? That was buttery Crisco, like the kind you bake <laughs> cookies with. So um, tell me about your bacon blue cheese smash burger. Well, this one I wanted to try. I was trying out this new little flat griddle they had for PK360. Yeah. Um, my friend Martha, shout out to Martha, hit me up. So asked me if I'd seen it. And I was like, no, I hadn't even seen it yet. But they made like this plate, and I guess PK's selling them, that fits right in your 360. And it's basically like a stainless steel plate, turns it into a flat top. Like you can you can cook right there, and so I was like, well, you know what? Let's do a smash burger. And so I did. Um, it was like a bacon smash burger with the blue cheese sauce on top of it. So I just take my ground beef and ball it up into like golf balls, a little bit bigger than golf ball. Put it on that flat top that's been greased a little bit. Smash the fire out of it <laughs> into some bacon. Yeah, but see, I, so I, oh, yeah, so that was what was meant to be so good was I took like. <laughs> What I don't know, it's about genius? seven, eight, yeah, what makes me a genius on this one? Seven, eight strips of bacon, cut it up into little squares, like dices, started cooking it on the flat top, so it got my flat top good and greasy from my smash burger. <laughs> See, double thinking here. And it got the bacon kind of brown, but not all the way crunchy. Spread it out, started my little smash burger ball. Cause you, here's the, here's a trick that uh, Jay Durbin from, now he's got a Mojo Burger channel now. Yeah. But uh, anyway told me like you take your ball and you start it out on the flat top let it get a little bit of a color going on with it then flip it over then smash it it won't stick to your spatula so that's what i did so i took it started my balls out beside my little piles of bacon flipped them over into the bacon flipped them over into the bacon pile and then smashed the burger all into the bacon and that's the bacon smash burger kind of melts yeah. it all oh together. it did it did so you get these crunchy bits of bacon some of it's still chewy it's browned up but it's kind of crusty on the on the burger you don't flip the burger you don't have to flip the burger again once you let it cook on that well you flip it over and the bacon's up and you flip it on the cook it on that side and then you got to top it with cheese and you could use any kind of cheese you want i made up a, a blue plate blue cheese spread is what it was that's all it was is like Little blue plate mayonnaise, some crumbled blue cheese. Doctored it just a little bit. You got to season it some, you know. And I've seasoned these burgers as they cook too. 
you got to hit them with the AP so you get some salt and pepper on them. But um, the recipe's on there for that blue cheese sauce. And I just took yeah, it. Yeah, it's real simple. Instead of just putting crumbles on there, I wanted something to hold it together. And I knew if I suspended it in the mayonnaise, <laughs> that it would just slowly kind of melt and turn into like a blue cheese spread instead of just these nasty little crumbles. <laughs> then I toasted my bun right beside it. Because the crumbles ain't going to melt. Yeah, yeah. The crumbles ain't going to melt right. It'll, it, it's kinda, it stays together and melts right when you do it like that. Top bun, bottom bun, pickles, that's all you need. A little right. mayo on the bottom, pickles, burger, smash, blue cheese, top bun, too easy. I did tell you, if you didn't like blue cheese, it might be like yeah. a little strong, but... If you like blue cheese, you're gonna uh, yeah. Like sure, it. The, like blue cheese. You I'm like. sure, the bacon in the burger. You just use any other kind of. You cheese could on use top American yeah. cheese. You could use provolone. Whatever you Pepper wanted. Jack. Pepper Jack. Swiss. It would, yeah, make it your way. Nacho. But try the. Don't knock the blue cheese now. I love. It's not as strong. You can control the strongness of it by yeah, how much you ever you put in the mayonnaise. Because the idea is, it's kind of it's almost like a blue cheese butter. That you know, by the time you do that. Put it over the top and it melts. It almost makes a sauce. Yeah. It's good. It's really, really, really good. It becomes a condiment. <laughs> I was like, I could eat a blue cheeseburger like that. But if you just crumble, like if I go to a place and they say, oh, you want the black and blue burger, it's blue cheese on a burger and they just crumble that. it all over yeah. the top of it. It falls off. Like, yeah. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't even, not, I don't feel like it's incorporated <clears throat> into the burger. The only time it ever melts right is if they put they have one of those little like warming oven things that they can stick the it in. Salamander like, yeah, the salamander thing. Yeah. Now I have seen them where they, they work the blue cheese into the burger. And it's okay that way. Because mm-hmm. you get a bite of it with every bit of burger yeah. and it kind of melds in, but not very many people do that. Yeah. That was a really, really good one. If you're um and you could do that one on a um blackstone really oh, yeah. easy. Yeah. The flat top on the PK worked. The only my only thing I would say about it is there's no really place for the grease to grow, so it's just running off and getting down in your grill. And if you got a lot of coals in there, watch how much coals you put in it because you got it loaded up and you got all that and you're cooking these greasy burgers and bacon and all this stuff and it runs down. You're asking for it. So <laughs> you might I would get a take fireball. he that take that in mind. <laughs> Mine didn't do it, but it, I could have easily seen yeah, it doing yeah. it. Well, I took a paper towel because I started saying, I got a little extra grease. I might need to soak some of this up. Yeah. So I would kind of dab some off if I was going. That's the only thing that I could see where you might have a little issue with it. But it makes a good flat top. Yeah. Uh, if you have the PK and you don't you know, want to get another. Yeah, flat top. It's flat a good top. little accessory for it. For sure. But good good recipe. What, what you got coming up? Um. Well... We're, I'm, it's going to be some more uh, deer camp cooking coming up. We're going to be down there next week. Hunting season's around the corner. That's uh, I'm going to do. I've, I've got an idea to do a. Uh, it's kind of my version of a Cajun pork sandwich. I guess I'd say it. That's going to be probably pulled pork, sliced uh, pork. It's going to be sliced. We're going to do a sliced pork sandwich. Cool. But I'm going to do it. Um, you know. On the, on the smoker and then slice it up, stack it up, make a cool slaw to go with it, and just make this spicy pork sandwich that, that all the fellas would want to eat down at camp. And then um, we got some TikToks coming out that we've done. It's kind of fall-themed. I did a, <laughs> I did a, my version of a, a, a hot cider drink. I did – I actually baked. 
I baked on the pellet grill a pie. Okay. And so that's coming out. We'll talk about that. Yeah, this is all. We can't it. get into these right now. Yeah, We're yeah. about to wrap this one up. But I baked a pie, a pumpkin pie, because it was fall, y'all. <laughs> I think the pellet grill did a, uh, might be the perfect way to bake a pie now. Yeah, yeah. I did, I, there's even a new pork belly recipe coming out that I did. So we've got some good stuff coming up. Those are those will be on TikToks and shorts. Y'all watch for those. They'll probably be. We got holiday. Coming. Yeah, I've got a, uh, that bison ribeyes. That'll be one of the next ones that comes out for TikTok on TikTok. I'd imagine. It's going to be the same. It's going to be my version of that uh, recipe card that comes with those uh, the wild game package, but it's a garlic and herb bison ribeye that I, that I do, and I, I would dare anybody to try it versus a ribeye steak and see if you can tell the difference. Maybe even better. Yeah, but you can tell the difference. I'm not going to say it, oh, because somebody's going to say, well, that ain't beef. Well, it's like, no, it's not beef, but it is dead gum close, and it may be better. It may be better than beef. <laughs> is it? So bison is just bison. Yeah. Does it fall into a bigger category? See, now here's my question. I never asked anybody because I didn't want to sound dumb. (laughs) But what's the difference in a buffalo and a bison? Are they not the same thing? I don't know. I I thought they were. I thought thought they they just came from different. So it's a buffalo ribeye and a bison ribeye, two different different animals? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I mean, I just, for the sake of not knowing, I just assume in my mind they're the same. I'll just... If, if people are talking about bison, I'm going to say bison. If people are talking about buffalo, I'm going to say buffalo. <laughs> I'm not going to confuse the two. And I would only brought this up if I wasn't talking to y'all. Find out I'm sure somebody 34. will correct this out there if I'm wrong. But what's the difference? Maybe, maybe one of them's free range, still out there in the wild, like from the original, I don't, I don't know, animals. And then the other buffaloes is like, which one's a Tadonka? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Just throwing stuff out there. Throwing stuff out there. <laughs> I've got questions. But it's not beef. It's not beef. Okay. Yeah. But, hey, little fact. There is beefalo, though, where they've crossed them. Really? Buffalo and cow. Yeah. Never tried that. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a yeah, it was like a fad thing for a while. I thought they were trying to push farmers to it, like how easy it is to get these buffaloes and cross them with your cows. And what they don't realize is a buffalo is an animal. <laughs> like, it is all muscle. And them things are wild. You're just not going to put them in stranded barbed wire fence. you got to have some steel. And it's. <laughs> They will kill you. <laughs> you <laughs> see them out. You see them out of these parks, and you think, "Oh, we can go pet the buffalo." No, nope. <laughs> Those things—they are not friendly animals. They're mean. Heck yeah. There's I mean, some in Memphis at the Ag Center. And yeah. There used to be some down by our place in Senatobia, the Buffalo Farm. Yeah, but you don't get close to them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't you recommend look, it. You can only look at them at a distance. Yeah. Go ahead and try one. <laughs> things will kill you. <laughs> well, Mark, that's all I have for this hey, week. All right. Well, hey, that was a, always good to sit down and talk barbecue with y'all. And appreciate everybody listening. Tyler, you go tell them. Tell them first where, the, where can they find Blue Plate Mayonnaise. <laughs> At Blue Plate Mayonnaise. Here in the mayo. South, the grocery store. Just go look on the map. <laughs> Heck yeah. And I do think, that according to the Let's Get to Cooking community page on Facebook, it's starting to spread. I'm seeing people finding it in grocery stores up north, west, east. So, be on the lookout for that. <laughs> also, some of y'all notified us in the Let's Get to Cooking community that our uh, our How to Barbecue Right app was down. It should be back up and yeah, running. So make sure, you, running. make sure y'all that. download that. Yeah. Uh, has all of Malcolm's favorite recipes. and make Just sure a little glitch. Just a little glitch. Yeah. Was it an update or did you forget to hit something? Yeah, or? pretty much. So. <laughs> we had to accept a new terms of agreement. Uh, it was terms. Apple. Yeah. Apple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apple. It, was, it was all Apple's fault, not yeah. mine. <laughs>
Um, and also, don't forget about the Masio Gamekeeper giveaway we're doing yeah. this week. When's that post going to hit? Today. So it'll be uh, there'll be a post up today, and in that Once post, that's the one you comment on. Yeah, like yeah. if you're listening to this, it's up. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, yeah. Go to Facebook, check it out. And go visit GameKeeperMeats.com. You can see all the cool stuff they have. Get you an alligator. <laughs> if you haven't cooked one of those, you need to. Everybody needs to know how to cook an alligator. I've seen a lot of people cooking alligator. Yeah, I have. But yeah, go get um, signed up to win that Mossy Oak Gamekeeper package. It's super easy. All you have to do is make the comment on the post. Yep, that's which it. pack you want. All right, well. Hey, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. I hope y'all have a great weekend. Fire up those smokers. Cook some ribs. And cook some ribs. <laughs> Use some mayonnaise somewhere. <laughs> That's your homework. We'll see y'all next week. We gone. <laughs>